You are listening to episode 180 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we're getting high on light in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we played a pretty sweet game on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini console that is brian blazing lasers brah blazing lasers a little late uh given that 420 was three days ago but you know what you're gonna do right we gotta play on a sunday (laughs) (laughs) if you have any of your stash left over go ahead and check this game out and check us out on your favorite podcast applications anywhere podcasts are found leave us a good uh five star review six star if you can manage i believe in you i would say a 420 review 420 star review yeah uh, not a four out of 20. Yeah, not a four out of 20. But if you divide that, that's a five star. So there we go. Well. Oh, math. Math, yeah. Yeah, solid stuff. Uh, uh, you can also find us on social media, John. Where Where's their social media? Uh, well, you can find us on Facebook at The Game Deflators, Instagram at The Game Deflators, and Twitter at Game Deflators because they don't like the. Boo. Uh, also, thegamedeflators.com. You can find our out-of-date website. <laughs> Which actually does have stuff on there. The podcast is on there if you don't want to have a podcast app that you're listening to. Which, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have a podcast app to listen to. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a bountiful amount of choices. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, Ryan, I know you couldn't find anything this morning on articles, but lucky for you, I found articles last night uh, that we can talk about some topics on. Uh, or talk about the topics that these are about. I don't know. It's early, dude. So uh, first thing we're going to discuss is Netflix doubling down on video games as their stock plummets. Uh, Sony is reportedly putting in ads in PlayStation games. Microsoft was apparently doing it last week and starting it up. Sony this week. And Ryan, I see your notes, and I absolutely love it. Uh, And then next is Nintendo of America criticized over treatment of part-time and contract workers. Which, surprise, surprise, Ryan, the video game industry and part-time slash contract workers being treated poorly. Hmm, Mm. Interesting. Who would have thunk it? But to get started, pickups. Uh, I'll go really quick. Picked up some magic cards for a venture deck that I'm going to be playing in Magic the Gathering. Um, basically, concept is venturing into the dungeon with the whole like D&D mechanic that they instituted uh, several months back and continually pummeling through that dungeon to do a bunch of stuff and control my opponent's board. That's the overall idea. Uh, also, I picked up Ikai on the Nintendo Switch. I do want to get it on PS5, though, because it is a horror game, and what better way to freak yourself out than playing a horror game on your PS5 versus a portable system, or having in a lower graphics quality, of course. Definitely. Yeah, regardless, I have surround sound in that part of the house, so it's going to sound good no matter what and still be freaky, but yeah. Freaky deaky. Yep. Uh, As far as what I'm currently playing, though, this is a little more interesting. So, Ocarina of Time, I finally got to the Forest Temple. Okay. And I got the horse. Yeah? The horse was the most important part for me in this game. Yeah? I was you like, horsing around? I was like, I need the horse. Because if I don't have the horse, it's way too slow. Eep. Like, just having to, every time you start at wherever you're starting from, if there's no horse, it's an absolute bitch. Because you're like, slowly traversing across the Hyrule Plains until you wanna... finally get to where you need to go. And by the time you get to where you need to go, it's shifted to night. So things are different. Yeah. Whereas with the horse, I can get there faster. I want to see a best horses in gaming list between Epona, Agro, and Torrent. Like, there's some tough competition for number one. Well, so far, Epona's got number one on my list because I needed Epona. 
Uh, so that's what we got there. Um, Forest Temple. God, how far am I on that one? Uh, I got several keys. I Are you just, Adult Link yet? Uh-huh. Are you Adult Link? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Adult Link. I already found Sheik and all that good stuff. So, so you're doing pretty good. You'll probably be done... I'm about halfway through the game now. Cool. Yeah, I pumped in several hours, and I'll, I'll probably have to re-record today. I'll, I'll pop in some more hours. Um, wait, was I going to do anything today? No, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play game that on. until my wife gets home. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to hopefully put in a couple hours today, get past the Forest Temple, go to the next area, and try and bang this game out really quick so I can finally jump into Elden Ring, Ryan. I need to play Elden Ring. You do. I need you do. to play it. Uh, the other thing I've been playing, and I love how there's a typo on here, Apex Legends, but based on what was typed in, I put in Apex Legenda. Oh my which, god, the sequel. Yeah, which by the way, I gotta tell you. So we were playing with somebody from Brazil the other day. Okay, and I think the main language in Brazil is Portuguese, if I'm correct. Um, I believe to be determined. I, I don't remember. Yeah, look it up. Uh, I think it's Portuguese. So we're playing with this guy from Brazil, and I never noticed this, but like we had mic feedback coming in on his end. So whenever he was playing Gibraltar, and whenever he would yeah, do anything... you're right. I'm, I'm right. Okay, cool. So whenever we do anything, Justin and I are playing, we'd hear on our mics, Gibraltar saying like, oh, here I go. I'm going to jump and do whatever. And then in Portuguese, it would repeat right afterwards. So we're listening and like, we just hear like the guy's Portuguese, mm -hmm. you know, game going off because he had language settings in, in such a way or Spanish. I don't know what he had it set as, um, but it was hilarious. So I'm just listening to like call outs from Gibraltar Multiple. and then it repeats and yeah. on the mic, I'm like, oh, God damn it. So we did that, but played a lot of Apex Legends this week. Got to silver rank one in um, arenas, which is fun. Cool. Um, and then we played a lot of It Takes Two. It takes so two my wife and I are we're in the greenhouse in It Takes Two. I don't know where in the game that is. I think it's towards the end, um, but that's where we're at. I don't know what game she wants to play next because that was my choice. So I'm yeah. I don't know. She hasn't told me, like, given me an idea on what game she is interested in playing next. You guys like, ever played Secret of Mana? Uh, well, we haven't played it yet, uh, but I don't know if that's the game that she wants to play. She might want to play another Tomb Raider game, mm. to be honest, which means I'll have to buy the other Tomb Raider, Shadow Tomb Raider. So, we'll see. But it takes two. A lot of fun, dude. Oh I'm my enjoying gosh. it. New crossover game. Shadow the Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Like... Shadow the Hedgehog? It should be Shadow uh, the Tomb Raider. I see what New crossover. I don't know. We'll have open world Sonic soon. I don't know what she wants to play, like I said, but It Takes Two is phenomenal so far. Mm -hmm. I am enjoying every aspect of that game, dude. Like Game of just, the Year. I know. It, it really is like it deserved it, 100%. As far as I am right now in this game, I'm enjoying the boss battles. I'm enjoying all the different things that you could turn your characters into. You guys could do a way out. That is a good His one. His previous actually. game. Yeah, well, a way out I think is more guns and such, isn't it? Or I don't. No, remember. I mean it's like it's more of like a. I have it, but it's more of like an adventure story. Like it's not like really like an action heavy game, but it's not like a a zany multi plat or like yeah. a multi. Uh, uh, I mean, style platformer. It, it or took quite a bit. It. We normally play like single player games and kind of progress through and yeah. trade off the controller. She's always been super hesitant about playing um, multiplayer games specifically with me because I, I tend to get ahead. And so it's like if we're, you know, at some point I'll like run ahead or something and then it, you know, it feels like, oh, well, you're doing everything versus me versus 
if we do single player, we can kind of progress and like, no, you take the control a little longer. Yeah. Oh, you died. No, it was too quick. Go ahead and take more time type of thing. This is um, more like one of those ones where like you each have things to do to help the other person. Like, cause you're trying to like break out of a prison. So it's like one of you's on one side of the jail and somebody's on the other. You each have like a task to do and then you have to like hand off a shiv in the middle or something. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why it takes two has been so good for us to play because there, I can't progress very far yeah. without somebody, right? It's like, Oh, Hey, let's get to this area and do this. Okay, cool. You want to get to the top? Well, we need each other to do that. There's mm. none of that. Like, one person's running ahead and doing everything and the other person's just kind of messing around and can't do anything. So that's kind of the benefit of it. Uh, but yeah, that's what we've been doing. Uh, how about yourself? So I picked up Dragon Quest Eleven on Game Pass, which is a giant 100-hour RPG. Nice. I actually bought that not too long ago. So uh, I've been playing that in like the hour, half hour before I go to bed and a little bit here and there where I can. It's... It's fine so far. I mean, I'm obviously not the best RPG finisher, so we'll see how far I get in this. I do love uh, all the art and stuff. You know, um, Father of Dragon Ball, like I love that artwork. So I, I feel like I've known a lot of Dragon Quest, like world building and stuff for like monsters and you know, spells and, and things like that. Like, I'm used to some of that from playing some, like... I played most of the uh, Dragon Warrior Monster series. Like, their Pokemon kind of emulated mm -hmm. version thing. Yeah. Uh, rather than the actual Dragon Quest games. So this is my first, like, mainline Dragon Quest game. But I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm having quite a bit of fun. I like the systems that they have in there to kind of modernize some of the aspects, like... As opposed to going into every random battle, or not random battle, but like battles on the map. It's got that. It's got the um, like tactics system where instead of having to go in and choose fight, choose attack, choose which attack, which enemy, you can just be like, everybody go all out. Or, you know, you be aggressive, you heal, you do this. Like you got some options and you mostly just let it auto battle through. Yeah. And most of the battles go pretty quick. Um the experience system is kind of cool. You've got kind of like a sphere grid system going on where every time you level up, you get a certain amount of points mm -hmm. and then you spend those points to unlock like key abilities that are like, you know, you do some more sword damage or you get a strike that does damage against dragons, but it's not like a big hundreds and hundreds of choices. It's like everybody has like two different weapons they can pick from and then like a special thing or something. Gotcha. So that there's not, sense. Not a lot. You could probably put like, I don't know. Maybe eventually you go through half the board. Maybe you put down like 40 abilities or something. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a whole lot. Um, the characters so far are pretty fun. Uh, they've all got like, like uh, European accents and, you know, stylings of talking and stuff. Uh, I kind of thought about maybe playing with Japanese, but since I'm doing it before bed, I'd rather just have something that I can kind of just listen to because I'm half asleep anyways. That's fun. Nice. Um, still playing some Pokemon Pinball Ruby and Sapphire on my Game Boy while I wait the unbearable wait for the playdate to come in while I see everybody else on Twitter posting their pictures and having fun with theirs. I got to wait until probably the end of 
next month or the month after. Ouch. Yeah, it'll probably be June-ish by the time that I'm getting mine. You need to bring it here a second you got it. Well, maybe. Maybe. Maybe the weekend I get it. (laughs) Okay, that's true. Because you'll be like, nope, I'm home. I'm just going to play. But the early reviews are out. People seem to dig it. People seem to dig the games. Uh, There's so many people online making games. The future looks bright for Playdate. I think it'll be fun. We need to make a game of Flavors game. We talked yeah. about it. Uh, also, uh, booted up Golf Story again on my Switch, and I've been playing a little bit of that again. How is that, by the way? Because I've I've seen it, and I've wanted to play it, it's but great. I never have. It's great. It's so fun. It's like a great little golf RPG with like really great like comedy and cute little scenarios and little golf courses. I, I really dig it. I played through most of it before, and... I was telling a friend at work who's into golf stuff about it and made me want to check it out again. Nice. That's been my week. Oh, we also did a new Capenna pre-release last night, and that was a ton of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout-outs to was... the Topiary Tyrannosaurus or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so you and I both went two and one. Somehow I placed in fifth. I, I don't know how, but apparently I was the top two. You know what I think it is? Is My only loss came against the one guy that won the tournament. Mm-hmm. That might be it. Um, and then everybody else like strength. seated. Yeah, I got seated in a better, better spot. Obviously, now if I would have beat him the first round, then I would probably would have won the whole thing. But you know, at the end of the day, it was like you would win a mat, which I don't care to win the championship mat, like whatever, and then an extra pack of cards. Like so, the fact that I got two promo cards and two um, packs of cards at the end. Totally worth plus it. Plus the, the five packs and the whatever random Capenna pack thing that comes in it for 30 bucks. Yeah. Not a bad deal. Exactly. So I think at the end of the day, we got like... Can you buy those like all weekend? Yeah, you can buy You can buy them like much later on too. Oh, really? Yeah, you can keep, but I don't think it's worth it. Like somebody did a review a long time ago where they, instead of buying like a booster box, they bought like multiple pre-release boxes because... Apparently, you normally get really good stuff, which you saw uh, Bash in front of me. He had like six, you know, mythics that he got out of his. I got a fat zero. I got one mythic, and it was a okay mythic for like limited play like that. Yeah. It was great, but, you know, he got like a Planeswalker on these crazy cards, which were like 30 bucks a piece. And other people got Planeswalkers yeah. that were good, but like you and I got, you know, shit end of the stick on that one. See, yeah, I don't think it would be good to do this as opposed to buying, like, a set booster if that's what you're going to do, even though I think you and I are both kind of over that now. I think I'm just going to buy singles and then hopefully win tournaments. And, yeah. you know, you figure if I can buy enough singles to make my deck and that deck is, say, 100 bucks in singles that I got to get. because You I've saved yourself it. 20 bucks. Yeah, basically I saved 20 bucks because I don't have to do that. And then I go into a tournament, win that, and then get whatever amount of packs I can get off that. So, like, you know, I made a burn deck, for example, for... 60 bucks or 80 bucks actually wasn't 80 because i had most of the cards so like 60 bucks and uh you know i ended up getting 13 packs in a tournament that's 80 dollars right there in packs i end up buying you know getting out of that like 10 dollar entry basically by the way my chandra's that i picked up a long time ago for like six bucks a piece 30 dollars a piece now dang i know i was actually kind of shocked i will say this pre-release was super fun uh if you're not super familiar i'm not either we, the Kamigawa was my first one. And in that one, you got like just six boosters. This one was a little different. You get five boosters and you get like a bag that's like a clear bag. And it's got a mix of cards in there that are supposed to be more aligned with like 
whichever mob family because there's like five different mob families so there's like five different pre-releases and you build your 40 card deck out of that now that might vary a little bit i watched the wizards of the coast do an unboxing thing and that guy in his he didn't get like any good cards that worked with the one and then in the one that i got i got basically all the cards that i needed to use in that pack well then like you saw how my deck plays we played this morning and uh which I beat Ryan, which is good. Uh, but my stuff worked as yeah. well for what I was doing, but it was a little slower pace. So like anybody is, and that's the thing I've noticed with this new set is it's very mid-range focused or long game focused versus more aggro focused, mm-hmm. which I think because of that, I'm probably going to play Burn next week yeah. at the tournament because everybody's going to want to play all these new cards. You're going to want to run people through. Yeah, I can just run people through with that. And then like, oh, you got life gain? I'll burn your life gain card. Oh, you got this? I'll burn that. Like that's, I think what I'm going to have to go with. Um next week and I, I might be able to take a tournament next well, week. especially if everybody's going to be running like three color yeah exactly so three colors like what are you gonna do drop like a couple monocolor creatures here and there like so we'll see but i'm gonna play a lot of either burn or a lot of um uh two color control moving forward uh for this new set because mm-hmm. it's going to go completely against the meta that's what i want to do is go against what the meta is and play to that and uh we'll see uh, one other pickup I had before we go into these uh, topics, I picked up the Dark Souls D&D RPG book on pre-order. It's like 30 bucks through Game Nerds, and it's pretty much a 5th edition you know, campaign for Dark Souls. Is it officially licensed? I don't think it's officially licensed, but like it is all, it's all 5th edition rules, D&D focused, Dark Souls. Okay, cool. So I'm totally down with that, dude. So I, that comes out in, I think, June. So I'm going to be picking that up there and reading through it maybe playing that one i don't know i kind of want to do that or like a really fun like yeah i want to definitely know. check that book out when you get it yeah yeah the second i i get it and i'll let you know all right uh jumping into our first topic here is a uh, netflix doubling down on games as their stock plummets uh this was an article by re notice at kotaku and you know i'm i guess i don't have any really strong opinion towards this overall I mean, I think it's pretty cool that Netflix is jumping into games. Uh, in fact, I saw the other day they had like a trivia game, funny enough, on uh, the TV. It was just an interactive trivia game that you could play on your TV with your family. Is it Trivia Crack? It's, I don't know if it's Trivia, no, it's not Trivia Crack, but it was some sort of trivia-based game. But I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, if you think about it, if you're sitting down as a family and you've got the remote in hand and the whole family sitting together on the couch instead of watching tv play a trivia game which has the educational components to it plus just a fun family aspect like i think that's pretty cool um it's a little different obviously and they're doing this as a way to of course try and increase their subscriber base because they just uh lost two hundred thousand subscribers in this last quarter and then they also lost i don't know how many million last year uh per their end of year report and their stock plummeted like 20%. Like it hasn't been this low in a number of years. Actually, I think it I don't think it was 20%. It plummeted and it hasn't been this low in 20 years is what it was. Yeah, this was like the first time they've reported losses like ever, I think. Yeah, and like and now I've, they're talking about this. Did we talk last week about their cracking down on password sharing? We didn't, but that is a, a key thing that I saw is uh, you know, the whole password sharing component where and everybody does this. They share a password for a Netflix account with their family. Family can watch stuff, you know, wherever. Whereas, uh, and they have like, I think it's 200 million subscribers globally. Uh, so it's not like they don't have a number of subscribers. But if you figure 
200 million subscribers. How many of those people are sharing that with like on average? Yeah, I think two they other estimated people. like at least like 30 million other accounts or something. Dude, that's probably a very, very conservative estimate. I mean, like for me, for example, I have my account and my mom watches it, my sister watches it, and my brother watches it, and then occasionally Justin watches it. That's four people that could potentially have that. So let's just say on average, each account shares of two people. That's the potential for uh, 600 million subscribers total Yeah, versus I mean, like, 200 million. I think that I pay for HBO or I might be getting it from somebody else. I don't really know anymore, but I know that I couldn't watch it one night last week because somebody, too many other people were, and I was like, I don't even know if this is our service or not, but I'm, I'm upset that I can't watch what I want to watch. <laughs> well, but that's a Netflix whole thing, though. Netflix, like encouraged years ago that you could jump in with well, and it a, got all those people hooked as soon as they crack down those people are going to subscribe themselves because they're going to be like netflix is the one you really can't get rid of like i like hulu and i keep it around for convenience um and i know there's a bunch of ways to get hulu for free through like something but it would be like the crappy ad one and yeah. i don't want the ad one so i keep paying for the ad free one but like well, that's not even free anymore. It's like six bucks for to add one. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. uh, well, there's some places you can get it for free. Like sometimes, like your phone company or whatever oh, will yeah, get yeah. you like a bundled thing gotcha, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's always going to be the the ad version. Yeah, and there's no way to like upgrade it or whatever through bundling. So it's like Netflix is the one that's so safe. But back to gaming. Netflix, I don't believe in it. I think it's a waste of time. I think the only games they're going to put on there are games that I would rather play on my phone while watching Netflix. Like, I don't want to play Angry Birds on my TV. I want to play Angry Birds on my phone and watch Netflix on the TV and be completely lost in, in neither, really. But why can you do that when you can play Angry Birds on your TV and watch Netflix on your phone? A reversal. Oh, no. Uh, you know... Yeah, I mean, you can still technically play those Netflix games on your phone as well. Yeah, but they're like, I mean, I, I guess it's a way for people to get access to some stuff. But like, if it if it's going to be a draw, it has to be giving you access to paid games for the subscription of the account. Like, if you just put games that are already free on other platforms on there, it doesn't really do anything for you. Yeah. So no, I, I don't figure. know what they're planning. I mean, Netflix has a lot of money and they have a lot of ties with like teaming up with IP. So I could definitely see them being like, hey, you make video games and we helped you make TV. So now help us make the TV that we made from your video game, reverse engineer that into a video game on our platform. You know, if they get into stuff like that, I can see it. But like, best case scenario, uh, Riot teams up with them to make a League of Legends game that's exclusively going to be on the Netflix platform. But it's not going to compete with League of Legends. It's not going to compete with the fighting game they made. I think they're making like a shooting game too. Like they're making their own stuff. Whatever they make for you will be some garbage clicker game that 10 people play. Well... You know, Maybe it, not 10 people. Maybe a lot of people would play Netflix, it, but it wouldn't be very good. Netflix could probably convince a major, major publisher to start streaming games under service. And we talked about it a while back. Given that their subscriber base is like 200 plus million people, 
uh, minus a two million or so from last year. But given how many millions of subscribers they have, if they go ahead and say, well, we're going to go ahead and do a whole new system where there's no password sharing, uh, or maybe it's just password sharing, but it's only two accounts, you and one other person, because I think right now the lowest is like one and then two other people can watch. Uh, so say they minimize that, that at least increases their revenue from that component. And then offering another tier to their subscription system where it's like, okay, well, for $20 a month, you get all of the Netflix and you get to stream some of the latest and greatest video games that are out in the market on Netflix. Like if they could figure that out somehow, they would make a boatload of money, dude. I mean, if they could make the streaming quality good, like I tried streaming Dragon Quest Eleven on Game Pass on my phone the other day, both on and off Wi-Fi, and it wasn't really great either way. And that's like... Just an RPG, like anything that's actually needs any kind of timing or anything, I wouldn't have been able to even remotely mess with. Well, and the thing that really sucks is Wi-Fi in general is much slower than a direct connection. So if you want to get the best experience streaming, you typically need to have a direct connection. And how many people have their living room TV plugged into their Ethernet? Not many at all. I would say it's slim to none. Do TVs even have Ethernet ports? I think some do. So, I think mine does, actually. But the idea of streaming is that you don't need special hardware, and you can do it easily. Exactly. And how do you hook a controller up to your Netflix? Like, I guess they have a way. You can Bluetooth it. Yeah. I mean, just like, I don't know, most TVs I imagine have Bluetooth nowadays, I would figure. So, orders probably some sort of dongle, because most, most TVs have USB systems now, or yeah. system ports. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I think it's interesting, something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. If they really do take like a, a deep dive into gaming, it'll be interesting to see. So That's what Sony should do, just like build a PS1 emulator into all their Bravias. I mean, realistically, it should. You know how much they would sell just doing that, dude? Like, that would be pretty sick. Like, comes preloaded with a bunch of games. You know how the old hotels, they'd have a bunch of preloaded games on TV. You yeah. Play? God, that, dude, that was a long-ass time ago. I remember going to a hotel one time, and they had a Super Nintendo hooked up to the TV. I wish now I had that TV, because those TVs are stupid expensive. But we went in, and my brother was like, oh, look, it's Mortal Kombat. Oh, it's Donkey Kong, and he's playing. I'm like, we probably have to pay money for this, like, to play. And he's like, no, no, we're fine. Like, he was younger than me racked up like a $400 bill on Jeez. there. Somehow my parents were able to get that like knocked off and there wasn't an issue. Uh, but yeah, that was interesting. All right. Uh, next thing is Sony reportedly plans to put ads in PlayStation games. Ryan, I will let you continue with your notes, but first Miyasato at the verge is where this came from. So your, your notes, Ryan. Uh, so I just, Oh, that's not how you start your notes. I need you to read it word for word here. God damn it! Right, cool. I knew this would catch on quick. God damn it, Bobby. <laughs> the uh, yeah, we just talked about this garbage last week, and I was so against it, and now freaking PlayStation's like peeking out over the hedges, looking at Microsoft's green ass grass on the other side. <laughs> and they're like, we want some of that, but apparently, and I don't know that we actually covered this last week. But it specifically notes in the article that PlayStation isn't sure if they're going to be taking a cut of that revenue yet. But apparently Xbox won't be. So Microsoft would be using that more as allowing developers to put it in as opposed to a revenue source for Microsoft. And if Sony goes the other way, I mean, it would be... 
it would make so much sense to do it because if Xbox is going to go through the effort to put the technology and allowance into their system and those are potentially going to be multi-platform games, it makes sense for PlayStation to allow the same thing on their system so that everything is just cohesive and everybody gets to push ads forward into our lives more. But if they're going to take a cut of it, it's obviously going to make them less of a good partner in this. And I think that's just another way that Microsoft can kind of slowly just throw their weight around of just how much surplus they have to work with. Like they can do these super mega buyouts. Not that Sony can't do really big buyouts, but not on the same, you know, capital level that Microsoft is. Yeah. You know, like we said last week, it doesn't bug me too much to have advertisements in games as long as it's subtle. So as they've said, it's going to be billboards within games. So if you're playing a racing game and there's a billboard for whatever, but you know, I like Microsoft's approach here with this. We all know this is going to happen. Like this is the future of gaming. They need additional revenue streams with all these free to play games. Yes, they have like, like Apex is a great example, right? Have I paid a penny into Apex? No. Have I put hundreds of hours in Apex? Yes. Have I looked at any advertisements, purchased products? I don't know. Like I haven't noticed any ads, but if there are ads in those games, is it going to take me away from playing Apex? No, it's not going to take me away from that. Is it going to be a nuisance? Probably not. What if it's effective advertising? Well, then it might be for something I need. I don't know. Like I have to see the ads and know exactly what it is, dude. Like I, I like, actually. What if it just starts costing you money? Like what if all of a sudden, like you just start losing money and you can't realize why? Yeah. And then suddenly over time, you look around your room and and realize that all the advertising from Apex is slowly eaten away at your mind. It, you know those like only on TV uh, advertisements where it's or only on TV products. It's gonna be like only on EA products. It's gonna be like stupid stuff like <laughs> yeah. the cash register to charges you money uh instead we got of the sham wow guy hanging out on billboards now yeah <laughs> can you imagine just like an orange banner it's just him smiling It'd be insane dude he's crazy uh but yeah i mean i don't think it's too bad i know people are very much against this but if you kind of consider um you know the revenue this brings the developer the fact that a lot of these developers with these free-to-play games this allows them to you know, hopefully innovate more in those titles, put more funds towards those products and then, you know, pay out the people that are working on it. Um, if they're going solely based off of things like, you know, battle passes and loot boxes and all these other things that you could potentially buy. Yeah. There's a lot of revenue coming in from that, but it's so like dominant in gaming right now that people are split focused on what they're doing. So you might have a game that they're like, oh yeah, we're going to release this free and we're going to have all these great cosmetics and things we could do for it. But if they don't have a crazy player base on there or if they have a player base and that player base is not necessarily buying into those loot crates and such, well then what are you going to do in terms of making revenue? So ads is actually the way to go in that respect. And by putting it on the developer to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and put in here, we're going to offer advertisements. As a consumer, you could also say, well, you know what? that developer or like say apex or you know uh one of these other free games has like disruptive ads that come into play you can be like well screw that i'm not going to play that game anymore because of advertisements use your voice in that respect and honestly some of us may go away anyways kind of like how people are against nfts and all the great things yeah that but ads that. are different ads, ads are I, I get it but there have been ads put in things before and people have you know pitched a fit and it's been gone so, you know, I can I see guess we'll this, have to see how it goes. I can see this, you know, 
turning over sideways and then them, you know, kicking it back and saying, oh, well, we tested it. We didn't like it or it just didn't work for the consumer. We're going to listen to you. and We're going to take ads off of games like who knows. But then again, developers could still technically throw ads in regardless. Oh, man. What if what if you could hack it? Hack it and put the game deflators on a billboard in Apex or something? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. That's what we'll do. We'll advertise on Apex. They'll have to do some way to like protect the advertisers, and I mean these advertisers are already going to be people that are willing to have their products dem- you know displayed alongside violent content or or whatever the case may be. Well, and that, that's part of the article uh, or the argument as well is like how willing are advertisers going to be to put into like a Mortal Kombat game that's like free to play or a Call of Duty or something well, or Halo's like a free all Doom. over Mountain Dew and Doritos, but Mountain yeah. Dew and Doritos are for I mean, as much as Mountain Dew and Doritos are for everyone, they don't really need to appeal to anyone. Well, here's here's another great form of potential advertising. We discussed the subliminal message aspect of it, right? Halo, okay. Baja Blast colored Master Chief suit. That's all it is. It just says Baja Blast <laughs> suit color. I'm going to Baja Blast you in the face. Doritos spicy nacho or Cool Ranch Dorito uh, you know, suit for Master Chief. Oh, now, man. whenever people are running around, you're like, oh, he's got the Baja Blast. Oh, he's got the you know, Cool Ranch Dorito suit. Dude, whatever it may they be. need one that's just like that little, and it's just got the little speckles of just like the blue and, and red dots, but otherwise he looks like a tortilla chip. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like that right there is a prime example. Like you buy into that and now... All these people that see that potential, like Master Chief Suit, know Baja Blast and Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah. I mean, Only a subliminal about. and the fact that they're making money off of that, too. And it could be, it might not even be a money aspect. It might be a, we're going to launch this for free. Claim your thing here. And the other thing was, like, apparently, and you brought this up last week, perks towards watching advertisements are also being discussed. <laughs> so, it's, dude, gaming in the future is going to be interesting you know i i didn't uh get a chance to put the article in here but i do want to talk about one thing that's not on here real quick did you see the sonic origins pre-release stuff no so the pre-order for it like they're doing absolute garbage man so you guys haven't seen this uh we don't have an article for it you can find it online they're making like the deluxe digital version have everything and the base version have you know just all the base stuff but the things in between are like animations for the main menu like if you buy the basic version the main menu the -hmm. characters won't be animated on it but if you buy the digital deluxe version they will be animated on it the hell and it has like an extra like uh audio soundtrack and like a few other things but like a couple of the things are like animations for the characters on specific menu pages and it's just like that is the the worst like egregious like pay to get in the door kind of thing so i mean opening up this advertising is almost just like a way to all offer alternate pay methods like pay with your time instead of paying with money like hey if you want to you know get an experience boost you know you could give us two dollars or you could watch you know an eight minute lecture on the ShamWow. <laughs> eight minute lecture on ShamWow. oh man and then what was the other thing that chop shop or whatever it's called 
Slap chop. Slap chop. Slap chop. Yeah. Get the slap chop out. Yeah. Cut so, some I mean, stuff up and that's, use a ShamWow. That's one of the things that, that, you know, just because you put static ads in doesn't mean it's going to stop there and not go back to like, oh my God, I got to sit around and wait so these companies can make more money monopolizing my free time. Well, that's the thing, man. They're saying it's going to be non-disruptive advertisement, but it could be a slippery slope. And we go into like full-blown ads and, oh, well, look, you want Xbox Game Pass without advertisements? Here's what it's oh going to cost. Oh, my God. Yeah. Game Pass Plus. Game Pass Plus, yeah. Game Pass Plus Preview. Yeah. Expansion Pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see, dude. It's gaming in the future. Uh, and then to, to stick with the negativity in today's episode... Uh, Nintendo of America has criticized the retreatment of part-time and contract workers. This is Thomas Whitehead at Nintendo Life. So, you know, the the general basis here, and they gave a a really good story, is, for example, uh, the benefits that some of these employees have that are contract versus a full-time. There's like a Nintendo museum, apparently, in Redmond. Is it Redmond, Washington? Yeah, Redmond, Washington. And uh, contract employees are not allowed to bring their families there. Into Nintendo Museum because they're contract or they're part time, whatever it may be. Whereas full time employees can't. Uh, benefits are completely different, of course. Uh, they have these people on, I think they said it was like 10 month contracts or something or 11 month contracts, and then a forced two months off, and they lose all benefits, all pay within that period of time before they could start back up. Uh, that was one piece. There's a story of a lady or a guy, I can't remember, that like slipped and fell and had like concussion symptoms. And they like refused to allow her to be treated at the clinic within the Nintendo of America office. And they they wouldn't let a coworker yeah, drive her. A full-time employee either. specifically. A full-time employee could not drive that person to the hospital to get checked out. And then once all that was said and done, they had to get an Uber to take him. And like that was it. So it's it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, I look at my company and how we treat part-time employees. I'm not gonna say who I work for, but you know the man the man yeah we have contract employees and those contract employees like honestly you would think that they're full-time employees right now based on the interactions we have based on you know what they do on a day-to-day basis and how we chat with them and and i don't know what their benefits are and such but i would imagine that they have the same benefits i do and the same access like out in our one of our offices you would the, imagine but you'd probably be wrong i don't know i mean there's a reason nobody there's wants certain, to be a part-time contract worker. There's some things for longer they, than they have to. There's some things they wouldn't get. Like I don't see how they get stock benefits because they're not a full-time employee. Like I don't see stuff like that. But I can see things like one of our offices, for example, has a full-blown gym in in the office. Like I'm sure they have the benefit of using the gym. You know, if they reside in that office or not reside, but you know, you know, hang on that office for work. So. I can I can see where like imagine they don't get to use the gym. I imagine there's like a guy named Jim that will just yell at them while they run circles in the parking lot, and that's their fitness. I see what you're doing there, <laughs> throwing some office at us. Uh, yeah, I mean I, that's how at least I've seen the interaction of our contract employees. This is a little ridiculous to be honest, assuming it's all true. And this this kind of stems from a report earlier this week. Of somebody having their like rights to organize violated by the company, but it turned out that that was like a contract worker who had been fired for revealing, you know, private information that they signed an NDA, I would assume, not to leak. Like, I mean, 
you know, these situations are becoming more and more, you know, visible as the industry turns more and more of an attention to this. You know, we've been no stranger to, you know, crunch and and all these other horrible working conditions, you know, the rampant sexism and harassment in a lot of these major, major companies has been really bad for a long time. And I've noticed a trend in people talking about new projects being announced as a way of bringing in new talent. And I've heard people mention that it's getting, you know, more difficult for these studios to find and attract top talent. And I think that the ubiquity of access to tools, people that are, you know, now that we're generations into this, where people have been gaming their whole lives and people are starting to adopt how to do these things younger and younger. And, you know, there's a lot more avenues to get into gaming and making games and doing all that, that eventually it's really going to start coming to a head. Like I think CD Projekt Red already announced that like Witcher, the next Witcher will have, like they're guaranteeing there will be no crunch or something and other studios are making strides for this too. So like the more and more competitive it gets to get people in, the more hopefully these kind of situations go to the side because they're going to realize, you know, we can't just keep treating everybody like garbage and sending all the money up to the CEO or we're going to have really, really long development cycles without the best people because they don't want to work for us. Well, and some of the other things that, you know, are kind of tied to this is those employees are apparently making below what the minimum wage is in that area. Uh, And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of Oh, well, I want to work for Nintendo. Yeah, that's like, exactly that's, what it is. Yeah, like there was a point in time where I applied to Nintendo and such and like Pokemon Company and, yeah. and other groups out in Washington. And I, I didn't I think I had an interview of Pokemon Company and that was it. Uh, Nintendo never shot me anything back. But, you know, I probably could get a job there now if I wanted to. But after something like this, why would I? Yeah. You know, why would I want to work for a company that treats other employees like lesser than, Yeah. you know, it, just because you're a contract employee doesn't mean you're, you're lesser than the full-time employee. It just means that you happen to be a contract employee and yeah. that the company decided that they needed your services and they just didn't want to do a, a full-blown, you know, full-time setup. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you any less of an employee and it doesn't make you any less capable than, than those that are full-time. So it's just... It's a pretty shitty situation overall, man. Just, you know, if you're out there, remember that, you know, just because you're a big family-friendly company doesn't mean that you actually give a shit about anybody. It's like Because Disney. they're just there to make money like everybody else. So, you know, it's it's easy to get suckered in and, and be like, oh, you know, this is a passion field. Like, if you're not willing to put in the time, you just don't have the passion for it. Everybody else here really cares. You know, that's that's BS. I, I just I just heard something, you know, this is a little off topic, but like, you know, companies want to take advantage of us all the time. Like, I just heard a different perspective on self-checkout lanes. Yeah. That's turning you into free labor. It's making you work when you go to the grocery store to be the checkout person. Yeah. That's why I always, if I have a bunch of stuff, I just wait in line. Yeah. Have the, uh, the person do it. Because, like, I'll just sit there on my phone and, you know, do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of Disney-esque, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's what Nintendo's turned into is Disney. But I, 
Dude, all the stuff that we talk about the gaming industry, like, would I ever want to work in the gaming industry? Nah. <laughs> Not after all the crap we've read over the years. Working in the game industry is, like, one of those things that just has to be a giant compromise because it's never going to be what you imagine from the outside. You know, there's a lot yeah. of armchair game designers out there and I'm definitely one of them. I, I have a friend who did some game design study in college and he's like, a, he does all kinds of stuff with computers way more than I could ever know. But I love to give him a call sometimes when I'm driving and I have an idea for a game or something. Cause like who doesn't have like a little notebook or something where they write those ideas down. But it's like, there's a million people all with those ideas, all trying to get into this field to try to get those games made. And 99% of them wind up working for some asshole way more than they need to. Yep. Pretty much. That's why support your indie developers for sure. All right. Uh, diving into at least a positive topic. We played some blazing lasers, blazing on, the, lasers. Uh, on the turbo graphics mini. Uh, this was developed by Compile, published by Hudson Soft NEC, uh, directed by Masamitsu Nitami, uh, or no, Nitani, Nitani, I messed that one up. Uh, it was released in August of 1989. It is a scrolling shooter and reception is actually around an eight to a nine. Uh, Ryan, off the bat, I love this game, dude. It was awesome. Like at first, it was it's kind of difficult. It's challenging. It's a hard one. It, it's actually a pretty challenging uh, shooter for sure, or scrolling shooter. And I love the music. Above and beyond, the music was phenomenal. In this game, the art style and the enemies were great. The pickups were pretty cool. All yeah. the different things you could do. Uh, I just thought it flowed really well. It had the right amount of difficulty to where you wanted to keep going, but it wasn't too difficult to where you're like, "Ah, oh, screw this, I'm done playing for today." It had really good proportions, like you know, a really good shmup has to have, you know, not too small a sprites that it's hard. Like you can very easily lose like enemy bullets and stuff, uh, but also not too big to where trying to maneuver around becomes really hard. So this had like a good balance of the two. I think that the level designs in these games are always like, I mean, there is no real level. You just kind of see the art that you scroll by, but like it was awesome. The ship designs and everything were really unique and different. I hadn't seen a lot of like the those big like uh, they almost looked like steel girder structures with like spiky cannons mounted on them. Those were pretty neat looking. Like as far as like shmups go, you're right on like the amount that they put into it. I've played a lot of shmups where like there's just way too much stuff on screen going on. And it's usually like the the heavy Japanese influenced yeah, ones yeah. where it's just like colors all over the place and explosions and all these things happening. And you just get so lost. Whereas this was just so perfect the way that it was laid out. And the one complaint I do have is picking up the various like level one, level two, yeah, level four. We like, didn't really figure out what all those were. We were mostly kind of just trying to get the one we were happy with and dodge the rest and not really realize which number was associated with which item exactly. Well, some of them I knew like level one was like one energy, two was two of the beams, three turned in whatever, and then four was something else. But yeah. like, you know, like I, I got it at that component, but like, you know, and you had like the different letters that come out, like you had S, but then like if I had S one time and picked up an S again, it changed them. Like, what yeah. the hell? Like, why is it changing all of a sudden? So 
that was a, a little different. They had these like purple gems that you collect and it makes your weapon stronger and you have various power levels tied to it. That was pretty cool. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of shields though, I noticed. Like we had shields a couple times, but even with shields on, I'd get hit by a missile and my yeah. ship would go down. I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. The uh, the manual is not very helpful. We oh, did no. look up the manual online. One of the worst manuals I've ever read. Some good there. art in there. Some cute little sketches of the ships and stuff. But uh, like, it's just like, there's power-ups. You know, They've got different levels. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Yep. It wasn't very... Duh, 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 like you would hope it would be. Yeah. And now, ideally, I would say, like, hey, let's go over the story. Let's go over, like, all of these cool things that are in this game. But, like... Schmuck. Yeah. You have, like, one Dark Order group that is in this, and they have their various bosses, and you're going through the galaxy or whatever it is trying to destroy this. I don't, did you see anything interesting on, like, a wiki in regard to, like, development or uh, anything that was part of this? Like, So it is by uh, the people who did... Uh, Puyo Puyo and Super Bomberman, I think it said. And I love both of those games. So that that right off the bat, well, it's Hudson, so it would make sense. Uh, you know, it might not be the same folks, obviously, over the years, but uh, still solid overall. It's known as Gunhead in Japan. Mm-hmm. That was it was a launch title for the console. I think you know um, the. There's not a whole lot to say about these games sometimes in, in my mind just because I don't play a ton of them. Like, I played some Super R-Type or something last year that was fun. But, like, the controls, like, what do I say about the controls? Like, they mostly always feel the same. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, the controls were great or oh, the controls were bad. I I heard you say you really like the music. I thought that the audio quality was definitely like, eh? Really? Yeah, I, I mean, there were times where it was just like, it sounded so grainy or something. I wasn't sure if it was your TV speakers or if it's just what old stuff sounds like now. Level 2 thought felt like that. Like, it felt like level 1 was stronger and then level 2 kind of took it to a different level where it, it just wasn't as, like, powerful. Yeah, I don't know if the voice in there calling out the power-ups was speaking English, but whatever he was saying, <laughs> I just no idea what he was saying. Uh, every time you picked up something, you just heard... Yeah, like those laser like <laughs> <"Bye, bye." laughs> that was kind of ridiculous uh yeah our runner was hanging out in there mumbling at us it was, it was funny dude uh yeah every time it changed i had to walk away at some point where ryan was playing just like i hear the voice i'm like rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was kind of a, a downside to be honest but you know it quality wise i felt it was really good um it's a know. fun system every game yeah. that we played on here has been like a decent time. And yeah, I was just checking out the uh, DF Digital Foundry was doing a video today for uh, Mini Amiga 500. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were saying that the games on there are not like the best choices. I would like to go through more of the library on here and, you know, see what in here is like really top picks what's maybe like more bottom because we've just kind of picked things at random here and there but like everything's been pretty good so far maybe this is like one of the better curated mini console game lists well we've played because the playstation one fucking sucked yeah the playstation one's not very good uh the turbo graphics mini i think i've said it before it's my favorite mini console 100 percent is my favorite mini console uh, the one that we played that wasn't too bad was Alien or was bad was Alien Crush, which was that pinball one. Mm-hmm. But even that for like a pinball game and that pinball's time, fine, yeah. It wasn't that bad overall. So 
everything we've played has been pretty solid for the most part, like you said. And the controller on there is great. It, yeah. It's definitely... It's a good controller. It's essentially, like, if you've never played it, it's basically like a, a Nintendo controller, like NES controller, but the D-pad feels a lot better. Yeah. You know, you, you have kind of that rounded D-pad where you can do what you want to do and kind of have your half circles and all of that, or half moons. Um, so, yeah, I like it. Two buttons, start and select, and then your, uh, your little D-pad works out great. And I think there's, like, a turbo button because, obviously, turbo graphics. Turbo. So. Uh, all right, brass tacks, dude. Complete in box. We're looking at seventy nine fifty. Uh, that peaked in May twenty twenty one at eighty two sixty. Right now we're trending up. That spike in May last year. That looks like one of those people who like overpaid, but it definitely looks like it's peaking back up that way. Uh, loose going for seventy nine forty four. That's peaking right now in April of twenty twenty two, and that's trending up as well. I mean, honestly, John. For the six cents, you might as well spring for the box. That's assuming that this is a hundred percent accurate, but yeah, I mean, if it's if literally if the difference in those sales has been six cents, I would go complete in box. But I have a sneaking suspicion that this seventy nine forty four is more of an anomaly, and it's probably like fifty something bucks probably on the loose end. That's what I would guess. Uh, so I would say I would say let's guesstimate $50 for a loose copy. Well, here, let me let me pull the chart back up. All right. Take see what it's at. Uh, yeah, because that seems really odd, dude. I think what most likely happened is somebody listed as loose, but it was like the disc and case and all that good stuff, and somebody was willing to pay a little more money because of that. Or maybe it was just a solid disc and it had no, some other No, so, stuff. I mean, it's been... It was down under 50 in November, but before... I don't know, dude. This has been fluctuating between 50 and 65 for like a year. And that seems about right, given that it's just a jewel case and a little, you know, pamphlet, basically. I would say 60 bucks, 50 to 60 is probably pretty fair on a loose copy. Uh, but, you know, our rating, that's what's important here, right? Inflated or deflated based this on the is... price point. This is a tough one. So the thing is, unless you have a Turbo Graphics, like there'd be no point for you to pick this game up as a collector thing just to have it. Like, like I don't think that there's enough demand on this kind of thing that even if you spotted it out there for like a good price, you'd really be able to turn around and make a great profit off of it. Uh, so if you already have a Turbo Graphics and you don't have this, it was a launch title. It's really well reviewed. It's hard, but you know, if you're into shmups, then whatever. Um, I just, I think there's better shmups for cheaper on other consoles. Other consoles, so that makes it hard for me. Uh, I'm gonna say that it's, I'm gonna say that it's inflated because that's easy to say because all games are inflated these days. You know, yeah, technically they're all inflated these days. I think because it's on the Turbo Graphics, it's not exactly an easy console to. Uh, to collect for and a lot of games on the turbo graphics are actually quite expensive i think this is actually a pretty fair value for this is a good a, bargain game i think for sure this is definitely uh one of those titles that's um at a pretty decent value uh given the quality of the game itself given the scarcity of you know most turbo graphics type stuff and how expensive it is, like i just sold a complete in box one like what year and a half ago for eight hundred dollars mm -hmm. just a console complete in box like it's insane. So think about the games. Like I've got Turbo Graphics games that are like two hundred bucks sitting here because I want to get like 
you know, there's supposed to be a third party Turbo Graphics. Yeah. Uh, or not Turbo Graphics. There's a, a Turbo Duo. They're mm-hmm. releasing a Turbo Duo, a new one at some point, or it's already come out. But um, I've got games like that that are much more expensive. I think I sold a copy of uh, the game that we played on here a long time ago, um, Splatterhouse. I sold it for like 180 bucks. Like, you know, solid you know amount of money for that. So I would say that this is deflated based on turbo graphics mm. um but i would say in the general case i would agree with you that there's probably better shoot 'em ups at a lower price point or more accessible so uh tough one yeah tough one this week decent game tough call yeah i mean let us know what you think yeah let us know if you played it uh yeah i would say put inflated just for the purpose of you know you're right like unless you've got the turbo graphics Really, you could just pick up a mini for like 150 bucks and get a whole bunch of games. Yeah, you probably that's the way to do it. Yeah, for this specifically, unless you already got TurboGrafx. So, you got TurboGrafx, it's definitely deflated. So, all right, cool. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, we're recording remotely next week, so we'll have to play. You should get your PlayStation fixed. Yeah, I should. So, we could play that. <laughs> <laughs> or let me know a game that we both have and we could play that as well. Uh, but. All of that said, Ryan, this has been episode 180 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.